Hey there, podcast listener. Chris Roseborough here right at the front of the podcast. Just want to remind you, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it is. If you don't already support us financially, we truly can use your help. So get on your computer. Go on over to fightingforthefaith.com. Click on one of the friendly yellow buttons and support us. And, of course, if you would like to do it the traditional way, make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send that to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. And let me thank you for your financial support because we truly can't do what we're doing here without it. All right, on to the program. I enjoyed making it. I hope you enjoy listening to it. Here we go. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Friday, May 6th, 2011. I see the finish line as I come limping in. That's right, today is our final contestant in our annual Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest. I don't even want to talk about it. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough, and I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God, because there is no shortage of crazy things being said out there, and, uh, well, we do the discernment comparative work. Now, all this week, we have been doing our annual Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest. This is a regular staple here at Fighting for the Faith, and if you've been listening, um, you've probably been pounding your fists, clenching your teeth, um, running out of the room, screaming, I told you you needed a tinfoil pyramid hat, I told you you needed bendy straws and duct tape and a tweezer and tweezers and... And two Q-tips and, uh, well, <clears throat> anyway, you, you get what I'm saying. So um, today is, uh, now, once a week I do a light edition of Fighting for the Faith. Today we're doing a light edition. That means we're dealing with one thing and one thing only. And that is finishing this Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest. So with that, we're going to dive into the program proper and let's do this thing. Because... <laughs> Can't wait till next week. I need some good sermons. (sighs) The good, the bad, and the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. (laughs) Today's sermon comes to us via Bethel Church. I think they're in Northern California somewhere. Um, Pastor pa- Pastor Bill Johnson presiding. I have no idea what the sermon's about. The name of the sermon is I Tried. <laughs> You'll get... Aside from the tinfoil pyramid hat, you're going to need a map... Um, you need to figure out the Dewey Decimal System. That's going to be very important for figuring out this sermon. I, 
Wish I could tell you what it's about. Um, after listening to it a couple of times now already, I still have no clue what on earth Bill Johnson is saying. Yeah, in fact, I'm going to kill the music. with that. I'm not even going to try to explain it anymore. So uh, without any further ado, here is uh, the Easter sermon entitled, I Tried by Bill Johnson. I have finally, after, uh, how, how long have I been doing this? Since 1973. So however long that long that is, 38 years. I've, it took me forever just to get where I could do a Christmas kind of a message. And so now I think it's because it's like a month long. I, I'm, I'm able to do one or two in there. But I still haven't been able to get to the Easter thing. And it's Easter. I, I actually had somebody a few years back tell me at the end of this Easter service, at the back door, they said, you ruined my Easter. And they were serious. So I, 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 I'm not good at, at seasonal sermons. Oh, I just stink at it. And I'm starting to get the feeling that... You know, it's really not that hard. You just open up the biblical text. You know, like one of the gospel passages that talk about the resurrection of Jesus. There's a great one in Matthew. There's a fantastic one in John. Luke is great, too. I mean, you got the whole road to Emmaus story. I mean... Maybe the reason why you just stink at Easter, um, you know, these types of seasonal sermons is because you don't know how even, you really don't even know what the Bible's about. You're just making stuff up. And so, you know, you get into the Easter passage and it's all about Jesus and that's, well, foreign territory, you know. That I'm stuck and it's not going to change. And so if you came for a good Easter sermon, you're going to leave really disappointed today. Because I, I, uh, I'd rather... Let's just try to display resurrection today instead of uh, here. We're going to pray. How do you display resurrection? What does that mean? Pray for some folks. And, and I do, I've got a few things that I'm going to share with you. But, but for the most part, I, I just feel like we're just walk, to watch, see people touch people, God touch people. I was telling Benny last night <clears throat> that uh, if I could have anything I wanted today, if there, if there were some way to do this, what I'd love to do more than anything else is just to have a big meal together. Just sit down and eat together. And, uh, Jesus could just go presto and you'd have a plate in your lap and we'd eat together, but I'm not Jesus. Really, Jesus the genie. Uh, right, yeah. Jesus, so. But I, I, uh, that's honestly how I feel today. It's just uh, the thing I'd love to do the most is just sit down and talk with people and just review life and just check out what's happening. And, yeah, just review life, man, yeah. This is the Easter sermon at Bethel Church. And the breakthroughs. and the, I think it's Redding, California. The, the difficulties and just kind of, that's what I, that's what I like. And I, I, you know, I've been gone two weeks, and, and I, I try to cut them generally anymore. I'm, I'm only gone at the most 12 days. I mean, it's not going to matter to you if it's 14 because it's, it's only one Sunday. But... but um, you just get homesick, and so I start thinking about when I get home and what we're going to do and what I want to talk about, what's in my heart. And I've got this series I actually started. You're going to talk about what's in your heart. <laughs> yeah, that ought to be edifying. started a couple of weeks ago that I'm not going to continue today, and I'm not going to next week because Mario Murillo is going to be here, and that's going to be outrageous. 
How many of you have never heard Mario Murillo before? This, oh, you are in for a treat. He is. Uh, oh, goody, goody, goody. I, I feel like I owe the guy my life. Um, there are several people I'm just eternally indebted to. In fact, in one of my books, I, I made a dedication to several uh, men besides my own dad that I really owe my life to. Mario Murillo is one of them. Dick Joyce is another one who's up here in the front row. Dick, would you stand so everybody could see you? Yeah, I'm glad those folks are getting a you know round of applause. <laughs> yeah, poor Jesus and his resurrection. Not all that important there at Bethel Church. Yes, Dick is just such. Is uh, he's the most consistent person to sow into our lives in Weaverville for 17 years. And I just, I just feel absolutely forever indebted to him. And so, you know, I'm, I'm away from home, so I'm just trying to bring you into my thought process of thinking, you know what I'd like to do? I can't do the meal thing. That's not going to work. But it would sure be nice just to somehow honor and to celebrate people. And we're going to pray for some things. I do believe there's a resurrection anointing here. Very specific. Oh, well, that's good. I'm glad the resurrection is going to make some appearance. There's uh, good news. There's a resurrection anointing there today. Whew! Yeah, got to thank God at least for something resurrection-ish. Specifically for um, resurrection of dreams. A very uh, resur- <laughs> a resurrection anointing specifically for a resurrection of dreams. Oh, man. Very specifically for uh, Danny and Sherry's testimony. If you can imagine, some of you have had this, this in your history. Growing up with no relationship with your mother or your father for a lifetime. Not talking to dad for 40 years. And then at the, at the end of last year, I really felt prophetically, and I think there were others that did the same thing. But I really felt prophetically, this is a year of reconciliation. So we started just declaring it. I think it was at the end of the year and on to the beginning. This is a year of reconciliation, family relationships specifically getting restored and in two months what seemed insurmountable three months ago (laughs) two months and one day ago what seemed impossible has been done in two months time out of nowhere God restores mom dad and this whole family line you know it's one thing for a parent to have kingdom impact on their children and their grandchildren it's another when it goes back up the tree. It's it, Only God can make the river go backwards. <laughs> can make the river flow uphill. And that's exactly what's happening here is kingdom impact. And I, I feel like this thing is so prophetic that we'd be foolish to miss the opportunity uh, to not. Does, does anyone know what he's talking about? I, I <laughs> totally lost. Ah. Oh not go after this. And I realize we prayed corporately, which I have great value for, but I feel like we're just supposed to target target this thing of reconciliation in family. Anyone who needs any kind of reconciliation in family stand. This is your day. You you were set up. Man, you know what? I wish we were taking communion today. That would at least be a part of the meal. Our friends in Nashville, close a church that we're very close to, uh, they they felt the Lord really direct them to do something once as they were taking communion, 
And as they held the cup, the blood, they made a decree that the one lamb was sacrificed per household. And they would literally make a decree over their entire family. And there was one particular case I know of. The son was involved in some sort of cultic, satanic thing and would verbally abuse whenever he would see the mother, just verbally abuse and just just beyond description, horrible. And <laughs> It's horrible, yeah. Kind of like the sermon is horrible. That Sunday, they held the cup up. And not only were they celebrating the freedom that the blood of Jesus brought into their life, but they were declaring one lamb per household. <laughs> They what? <laughs> they were declaring one lamb per household. And what benefit does that give to a person? Okay, so let's pretend I'm walking down the street and I decide out of the blue I'm I'm gonna declare one lamb per household. People think I'm giving away lambs. I mean, what on earth is this about? And when she got home, her son, I think it was within an hour was on the phone, repenting on the phone for all that he had done for all these years. i tell you what. We, we so, to, not... so to get a wayward child to repent, all you've got to do is declare one lamb per household. I had no idea it was useful for that. Going through a routine. We've been commissioned by the king of a superior kingdom to call family members back home. And so I'm going to ask you to do this. I realize that some of you are in pockets of people. It may be hard for some of the ones that are sitting down to actually reach them. But I, I want you to, I want those of you that are sitting down, you are blessed to not need to stand. I want you to stand next to somebody and start praying, calling family home, reconciliation. Declare over them the promises of God. One lamb per household. If they're you can have people stand up and do this right out of the blue. Yeah, a lot of good that'll do. Okay. If there are pockets of you where people can't reach you, then you lay hands on a person next to you and vice versa. But church, just start going for it right now. Just start uh, declaring one lamb per household. In other words, entire... Yeah, this is their Easter sermon. One lamb per household. Quick, declare it. I don't know what it does, but... Entire family units are to be converted and transformed. We declare that in the name of the Lord Jesus. One lamb per household. Full reconciliation. <laughs> what earth am I listening to? Full reconciliation. We call lost children home. So this is like a, you know, a milk carton Easter sermon. We're going to call the lost children home by declaring one lamb per household. That'll bring them back. Lost parents, or we just say, cause the river to go uphill and to. Oh yeah, if that doesn't work, if the uh, if the whole one lamp per household thing doesn't work, just declare, um, cause the water to go uphill, and boom, you know that'll do it. Bring parents and grandparents into the kingdom. Yeah, don't stop, don't stop, keep keep pressing into this. Pressing. If the Lord into brings. What? What are they pressing into? Silliness? Nonsense? Scripture to mind. I want you to quote it over them because I want you to declare promise. Declare promise. He's the one who restores all things. Acts 3, 19. He's the God of res restoration. He restores all things. I mean, it's, people sound busy doing uh, something that really is nothing. I... 
Thanks for that, Lord. Thanks for that, Lord. What are you thanking him for? The lamb, the, I don't know what. Oh, I get it. So if you have a child on the lamb, then you declare one lamb per household. Ha <laughs> ha, see, I figured it out. Yeah, ha <laughs> ha. Amen. Amen. You did good. You did good. Go ahead and sit down. I would encourage those of you who stood. The way we respond to the word of the Lord oftentimes has an effect on how it affects us. And I would encourage you, write the date down and just write down the date and the promise. This is the day when God has promised the reconciliation of of all family members. And just take some kind of a proactive approach to this thing. Amen. 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 And uh, for some of you, you felt such a strong release in that prayer time. I would encourage you, um, give thanks. A strong release of sanity, yes, in exchange for insanity. I uh, Really, they felt something be released. Okay. Maybe it was a lamb. Thanks ahead of time. Just give thanks ahead of time. There's just... You know, I, uh, I I have this book. I would encourage everyone in a place to get it. We bought a case of them to give away to family and friends. Uh, it's called Health Food. And believe it or not, it's not about food, which is why I would read it. <laughs> I don't need to read a book on health food. I am married to the book on health food. Notice that Jesus and his resurrection from the grave has bought... Haven't even really, I don't even think they've been mentioned for real in this sermon. Easter sermon, sorry, yeah. <laughs> I will get something and she'll give me the look. You know, like I'll, I'll start eating something and she'll, she just gives me the look. I can't say it's conviction, but it's as close to conviction as you can experience. It's, yeah, it's condemnation, that's what it is, condemnation. No, it's called health food. We might have some in our bookstore. If I don't, I, uh, maybe someone can make a note. I want to make sure that we keep keep a bunch of those around. It's uh, it's a devotional by Kenneth Hagen on divine health. I'll tell you what. Somebody, one of the members of the church here gave it to us a year or two ago. That thing is priceless. Daily readings. To- I'm sure it's just nuts is what it is. And one, one of the things that I read, uh, Kenneth Hagen was... Um, praying for this gal, and he, and he just finally asked her, he says, when are you going to believe for this miracle? And she said, well, after the symptoms go away. And, he's, and he said, well, why would you believe then? You don't need to believe when you have it. <clears throat> I should have tried that in the first service. I think I might have got a better response. You don't, you, you don't have to, the fight of faith, it, it, once you got it, there's nothing to claim. I mean, I've prayed for folks, you know, something will happen, a deaf ear will open or a tumor will dissolve, something happens, and they walk away saying, I'm just claiming it. I go, I want to tell them, oh, stop it. 
I mean, once you have it, you don't, you know, you don't pray for a hundred dollars, look on the ground, find a hundred dollar bill, pick it up, put it in your pocket and just say, I'm claiming it. You say, thanks. There's a difference. Fight till you get it. I'm all, I'm all over that one. I don't mind at all. So he asked the question, when, when are you going to believe God for this miracle? She said, when the symptoms go away. He says, why do you need faith then? You don't need faith when you have it. It's, it's, anyway, that made sense to me, so I'm encouraged. Be blessed, God. You know, a few years ago, we had the most outrageous Easter service. If you're a guest, I, I'm sorry. You should have chosen another day. It's, I think it's just I have, I have a problem of celebrating Easter services different. And yeah, different is one way of putting it, yeah. So different that Jesus and his bodily resurrection from the grave, um, um, I may not even get an honorable mention. I've never even heard of such a thing in a, quote, Christian church. But. And the last thing in the world, for some reason, the last thing in the world I want to do in Easter is teach. So it's just personal. I'll get over Oh, yeah. You can get out of it, yeah, because it's all about you. Or someday and become a mature pastor and be able to get it, bring that really good word. But until then, we're going to play. Several years ago, on Easter, we had the most unusual experience. It happened, it happened to me the day before. So you're going to talk about your unusual experience you had a few years ago during Easter itself. But you're not going to talk about the unusual experience that the apostles had on Easter. You know... Seeing the empty tomb, um, you know, stuff like that. I came in thinking, here's Easter Sunday, and I actually had a really good sermon ready. You never heard it, though. I was ready, and I got into the leaders' meeting, and one of our elders' uh, wives said, uh, you know, I had been missing a mouth guard. Uh, She left it in a hotel in the Bay Area a month earlier. And just was kind of bummed out. She had to spend 300 bucks to get a new one made. And uh, so she was in the room, and, and she's telling us a story. The day before, she was folding clothes, or that week, she was folding clothes in her house. And she just thought, you know, I, she said, Lord, I, I hate to spend $300 to have a new mouth guard made. The mouth guard appeared on the clothes she's folding. <laughs> just appeared. Well, the day before... Yeah, kind of like how the angels, they appeared, you know, boom, you know, you're looking for Jesus. He ain't here. He rose like he said. I mean, you're talking about a mouth guard miracle, which sounds kind of dubious. Yeah, Uh, but you're not going to talk about, you know, Jesus walking out of the tomb on the third day after he was crucified. Yeah. I lost a really expensive pair of binoculars that I thought was just stolen out of a hotel room in, in the travels, because I'll take it with me, they're small. And, um, and the day before, they just ap- appeared for me. So I thought, you're up to something. And then I remembered Bob, Bobby Connor's story, and, and this is one that, that we're known for, uh, for kind of jumping on. <clears throat> uh, he, he had a knife given to him by Bob Jones. It was a real sentimental value, you know, a lot of value to him. And he lost it. And he was in a hotel room and he just kind of maybe, I, I would guess, more out of frustration than anything. He says, I want my knife back. And the knife appeared, fell out of the air onto the bed. Now, wow. Wow. That's just... Uh, yeah, did, did I mention the fact that Jesus was dead? 
Yeah, you know, when he was crucified, they thrust a spear into his periocardium, uh, peria, peri, pericardia, whatever. Blood and water came out. You know, they shoved it up under the ribs and, you know, pierced the, the heart sack and blood and water got... He was stone cold dead. I mean, he wasn't breathing. They wrapped him in a cloth. I mean... He, he was sitting in a tomb, and they rolled a rock, a big stone in front of And he he walked out of there on his own steam. He rose from the dead, and you're talking about a knife? Oh. So that Sunday, we just went, I just thought, you know what, let's just go after it. And I have never had, in 38 years of ministry, I have never had so much immediate fruit from the message in all of my life. I mean, we have had people with the most bizarre things happen financially, where money appears in bank accounts. Where God, and I felt honestly. So you got a heavenly money laundering scheme going on there. Okay. My my bent is, you know, I, I mean, I'm thankful for the provision, but I want deliverance. I want healing. I want the, I want the supernatural to really impact our spiritual life. I mean, that's my focus. Yeah, you know, the supernatural resurrection of Jesus from the dead that kind of impacts our spiritual life, don't you think? I want people saved. That's that's where I live. But saved I, from what? I felt a conviction of the Lord that I was to go after material things because I felt like he wanted to display something. And it was that experience a few years ago that led us up to the liberty to say, all right, family members are coming home and there's reconciliation because the Lord wanted to demonstrate. So we had this series of miracles. I've never had so much email and reports of miracles. I travel all over the world and I have people say, I want my knife back. And I laugh, you know, because they heard, they heard the, the story. I want my knife. Because you'll hear staff members go down the hall muttering to themselves about something that they experienced. And kind of our catchphrase is, I want my knife back, which basically means I want God to fix that, you know. And, uh, and so somebody would come up to me at a hotel, you know. or a... What on earth are we listening to? Ah! Elevator or, or wherever at a conference, and they'll look at me. They go, "I want my knife back," and then they'll tell me the story and they'll this outrageous miracle. But I think my favorite one I've heard so far, one of the top ten, one of the top ten favorite miracles. I just heard like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, one of our students had a laptop that was stolen, and it wasn't the laptop that bothered him as much as his. Uh, college a dissertation that he had worked so hard on was in the laptop and um, and he had heard the story I want my knife back and so he went and bought a new laptop and declared I want my knife back except I want my dissertation back yeah so you, this is another one of those so one lamp per household water uphill and I want my knife back these are all magic words incantations that you can apparently Use at your disposal to, you know, to grab a miracle, you know, snatch it right out of heaven. He didn't get the computer back, but when he opened his new computer, the files from the old one were on the new one. Wow, computer data miracles. Did I mention that Jesus, um, that, you know, that he rose from the grave, the soldiers were freaked out and... Angels were there. At, uh, yeah, who cares about Jesus? I mean, when you got computer data miracles flying around with, uh, I want my knife back. Okay. Oh. 
That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, they're cheering so loud. I mean, this sounds to me like somebody at Saddleback Church declaring that they got a vision from God revealing what their purpose is. That's how exciting they sound. You know, how excited they sound. Now, for those of you that that tend to be a little bit more spiritual minded, Benny has helped me because I'm I'm by nature. I'm just intense. And it may not look that way, but that, I, I have a very single focus, very intense. And she helps me just to relax and enjoy the rest of the life. Well, now I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm there. I've, I've been there for a while now. So, But I, for me, it would be souls, healing, deliverances. But this has been so fun, have, getting somebody's knife back. I thought, you know what? If it matters to you, it matters to him. And to me, it's one of the greatest revelations about the Father heart of God is that his concern for little things. I've, now, I've told you this before, but I, I, was, I, was, I was in a meeting up in North Dakota or somewhere, and we had a serious... Please, keep preaching about yourself on Easter. It's so Christian, you know. Miracles that were extraordinary. It was an amazing, amazing week, and, uh, including leukemia. Leukemia was healed. Uh, it went back for blood tests. The blood was completely normal. It was up in the stratosphere. They went and had blood tests. It was perfectly normal. And all these miracles that were extraordinary. And so and it was like, it was incredible because it was like only 200 people. And uh, but my favorite miracle of the week was a woman who broke her little finger many years earlier, and it grew back crooked. Now I'll tell you why it was my favorite in a moment. She had no restricted movement. She had no pain. And God straightened it. Now, here's what was my favorite. I expect God to heal the leukemia. I have no question. That's the heart of God. But why fix something that doesn't hurt and there's no restricted movement? There's no, there's no inability. There's no problem. Why fix that? It showed me more about the Father heart of God than the leukemia. I expect the leukemia. But when I saw that, I went, you're amazing. (laughs) You're amazing. You are amazing. And so we've been enjoying this journey and and not apologizing for some of the silly things even that 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 could easily be offensive or or misunderstood. But it's just it's all in the adventure of learning what he's like. You know, we got people running around here that go out on the streets. They draw a picture of a shoulder. They draw a red circle around it with a line through it. And they find someone on the streets who has an injured shoulder. They hand them the picture and they say, hold that. And they hold it. And then they say, now try your shoulder out. And they'll find out they're completely healed. (laughs) Time and time again. Yeah, I'd like to see the medical records on that. Did I mention the fact that when Jesus rose from the grave, and that the Apostle Paul reveals to us that Jesus appeared to over 500, 500 of his followers after he had been crucified, dead, and was buried. Yeah, it's true. And the Apostle Paul, you know, he was a persecutor of Christians, and Jesus appeared to him also, and so he's a eyewitness to the Resurrection of Jesus. Why do I feel like these people just don't really care about that at all? Sense to me. 
but it sure is fun. You know what it is to me? It is all discovering how eager he is to love people. How eager is. Sherry said it at, during the prayer time today. The, the whole issue of feeding our heart on what God's doing versus feeding ourselves on what he hasn't done. And uh, I'll tell you what. I have no idea what any of that means. Something is created when we do it right. All right. Here's the verse I want to read. We need to hurry because I... I... Yeah, well, good. We're going to get to a verse. All right. <laughs> yeah. Finally. I, I rambled a little longer than I intended. Go to uh, John 11. We're just going to read a couple verses. Very simple, uh, simple passage here. But I, I, I want to give honor to something. How many of you have been a part of Bethel? You've been here for 10 years or longer. Put a hand up. Wow. Ten years or longer. Look at that. How many of you 15 years or longer? How about 20 years or longer? 30 years or longer? 40 years or longer? You guys you guys win this one. <laughs> this is my my brother in law and my sister forty years or longer. First That's right, heresy, the gift that keeps on giving year after year, decade after decade. This way Jean and Nell Nicolette here, my wife's parents, they've been here over fifty years. Over fifty years. We're gonna we're gonna honor those that have been here uh, for ten years or longer in a moment. I'll tell you why. But let's just take a quick look at this passage. John chapter 11. Did I tell you the, the address? John 11? No? Yes? All right, I did. John 11, verse 1. A certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, in the town of Mary, her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil, wrapped his feet with her, wiped his feet with her hair. His brother Lazarus uh, was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, Behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, The sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. It's interesting. They, they said, You love Lazarus. He says, I love all of you. Verse 6. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed there two more days. When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he didn't rush to the problem. He waited two more days. Here's the deal. The Lord is looking for something that he found in a man called Abraham. The story of Abraham, if you want to read it in uh, through New Testament eyes, I actually took three years to daily read Romans chapter 4 to try to learn this one thing. Daily for three years. Abraham was a friend of God. And his qualifying mark was enduring faith. Enduring faith not only brings an answer, it brings character. Faith brings answers. But enduring faith actually shapes the person who holds fast. Oh, man. I'm going crazy. What on earth are we listening to? How is this an Easter sermon? Ah! (laughs) Okay, sorry. I got to cleanse my mind here for a second. I just got to pull out of this thing and 
breathe for a second. I, I need some real Bible teaching. This is supposed to be an Easter sermon. Let me read you a good Easter text and pause for a second so I can endure this thing. Good night. I mean, seriously, I feel like I'm in, I, I, I feel like I'm in Alice in Wonderland listening to Humpty Dumpty or something. It's just that crazy. If you have your Bible, open up to Luke 24. I'm going to point something out to you here. The Bible isn't about um, you, and it's not about uh, you claiming your personal miracle. It doesn't matter if you stand on your head, wave chicken feathers uh, while naked dancing around oak trees, screaming at the top of your lungs, one lamb per household. Yeah, the, that the Bible doesn't teach any of this nonsense. The Bible's about Jesus, and Jesus himself explains that. Let me show you. Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Now that very day, the same day that Jesus was raised from the dead, two of them, that's two of the disciples, two of the followers of Jesus, uh, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were held. They were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. And one of them, named Cleopas, answered, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. <clears throat> kind of get what's going on there. They thought, oh, well, they had all their hopes set on Jesus, and the biblical text says, cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree, so... They had thought that he was the Messiah, but how could he possibly be the Messiah? He was condemned to death, and he was crucified. That means he was cursed, because cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. This is the stuff that's going on in their mind. So, obviously, they're thinking, Jesus couldn't have been the Messiah, but that doesn't make any sense. Look at the miracles that he performed. Just look at what he did. <clears throat> we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. And moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and, and, and they did not find his body. And they, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Now, some of those who were with us, they went to the tomb, and they found it just as the women had said. But Jesus, they did not see. They didn't find him. And so Jesus said to them, Oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ, that the Messiah, should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Hmm. Oh, I wish we had this. I would 
die to have been a fly buzzing around their heads, just listening to Jesus interpret the scriptures about himself. The Bible's about him, right? And they don't even know that they're talking to Jesus because it says in the scripture, their eyes were held. So they drew near to the village to which they were going, and he acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward the evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took bread and blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, and then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and then he vanished from their sight. And they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened up the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and they returned to Jerusalem and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together saying, The Lord has risen indeed. You see that statement? The Lord has risen indeed. What do we say on on Easter Sunday? He has risen and here we have Cleopas and his traveling companion saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. And they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and he said to them, Peace be with you. But they were startled and they were frightened and they thought that they had saw a spirit a ghost, and he said to them, Why are you troubled? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy, they were marveling. And he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish. And he took it and ate before them. And then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. See, even Jesus points out the fact that the scriptures are about him. Now, there's no doubt about it. You have to pretty much be, well, not blind, but spiritually blind, completely uh, spiritually blind and obtuse and to not be able to figure out the fact that the entire New Testament is about Jesus because all of the apostles in their writing, they constantly talk about you know, Jesus. But here Jesus points out the fact that all the Old Testament 
It's all, it's all about him. This is Jesus' teaching. Are we hearing the voice of Jesus? Are we hearing Jesus being proclaimed and exalted in this Easter sermon? I don't think we're hearing anything that even remotely resembles, sounds like, or approaches anything biblical. Because it's not about Jesus. This is nothing but a bunch of rambling stories. Most of them, (laughs) I'm willing to bet money, aren't even true. And what's lost in all of this? While everyone's hooping and hollering about a, a, a knife that's been found, standing up and proclaiming one lamb per household, the thing that's lost? Jesus. Our crucified and risen Lord who fulfilled all the scriptures that were written about him in the law and the prophets. And actually, there's a whole set of them that have yet to be fulfilled. Because there's a whole other set of prophecies regarding Jesus and his returning glory to judge the living and the dead. That's when the day of salvation ends. Yeah, when that day comes, there will be no repentance and forgiveness of sins. At least there will be no opportunity for those who persist in sin and unbelief to repent. That day is coming. But today is the day of salvation, and these people, they're playing with fire. The reason they're playing with fire is because they've come under the sway of a satanic, demonic wolf. One who's pointing them away from Jesus and pointing them off to complete, absurd fantasies. The delusions of their own mind. This isn't the biblical Christianity that you're hearing proclaimed. This is utter satanic nonsense, and all of these people are held sway under it. Stop and pray for them, that God would open their eyes to the deception that they've fallen prey to. Pray that they would see the danger they're in before it's too late and be brought to true repentance and faith and trust in the real Jesus, the crucified and risen Lord who the scriptures are all about. We continue. There's something about enduring faith that is so pleasing to the Lord. Only enduring faith taps the mystery of compound interest. When an answer is delayed, it's only because it's gaining income. It's it's important that you see this. I've, I've actually prophesied this over... Individuals, in fact, talked to somebody at the end of a service where I, I told them, listen, this thing is delayed, but it's delayed for this reason. It is gaining interest. And they met me at the end of the last service, said there is no question. But what the Lord did by delaying the answer was so much more significant than earlier. And I want to prophesy something over you. It's compound interest. It's like, it's like you have, let's just say you have $1,000 come to you. And God says, I'm not going to give it to you today because it would be $1,000. I'm going to give it to you in six months because it would be $10,000. And and the Lord works that way so frequently. And here in this situation, it says this. And when he heard that Lazarus was sick and needed a miracle, he stayed where he was for two more days. Why? Because he had already declared, this one's not unto death. I'm not going to let this one end in death. I'm locked into this. And I, and I feel like there's some folks in this room who have had dashed dreams that God is wanting to restore. Is restore- Oh, seriously? 
dreams today. And um, he's resurrecting dreams. I, I actually felt first service, I believe it applies to this one, that the Lord is actually going to do something unusual. He is going to resurrect destroyed business. I don't mean, I don't mean business that's doing poor. Obviously, we've seen that turn around. I mean a business that no longer is. There are cases where I believe, I felt this morning by the word of the Lord, God is going to resurrect that which is... Wow, can't wait to see that business resurrection. Wow, that's going to be amazing to see, I'm sure. Dead and gone. And, uh, and we're going to see this power of resurrection touch into all areas of life. Why? Because if in our thinking, it on, this only applies to the forgiveness of sin, which I am so thankful for. But if it only applies there, then we only are useful in this world to bring someone to Christ, not to fix their problem, not to step in and give them counsel on how to get a son restored to the family and how to get a business to turn around and how to get, uh, you know, the neighborhood to become safe again. Our, our concept of the kingdom being present and at hand is all attached to this resurrection power of Jesus that he has defeated every enemy of man, every enemy. And we live out of that bringing solutions and breakthroughs for people. That's who we are. We are people of breakthrough. And even though you may be in the midst of the greatest need of breakthrough in your life, you are still qualified to bring breakthrough to somebody else. That's the amazing thing to me, is we're still qualified to bring breakthrough. I mean, my brother's stories are still my favorite, where he, he picks a guy out of a crowd who he thinks he's in a youth group, and he tells him to go over here to the, with this group of people and go pray for people and get them healed and delivered and doesn't realize that the guy isn't in the youth group, but he's a law student that was just walking by. <laughs> was walking by, but my brother is six foot six, so people tend to listen to him. <laughs> so he walked with that group over. They started praying for folks. He saw God use him to heal the sick. He's not even born again. <laughs> At, after they came back, guess who this law stu- student wanted to meet? Yeah, Jesus. Why? Because he just saw the most unusual thing, something that we think shouldn't happen. God says, yeah, it's called grace. I've qualified him. Man, serious. I've qualified him. And the guy gets saved as a result. So... Dashed dreams. We're going to pray for a couple things quickly, then I'm going to let you go. Dashed dreams are to be restored. That's you. Stand up. You know who you are. Just stand up. Dashed dreams. Dreams died. Somebody lay hands on them quickly. Start praying. Resurrection on dreams. Resurrection. Quick, quick. Lay your hands on them so that their dreams can be resurrected on Easter. Quick, before it's too late. Man, dreams. Just start. You be the encouragement to them. You're the member of the body of Christ that can bring promise, bring encouragement, and bring a word. Start praying that breakthrough. Dashed dreams. Turn around, turn around, turn around. Pray out loud for them right now. Out loud. Dashed dreams. Dashed dreams. Get restored. God restores, He resurrects. Hopes and promises 
that were laid aside a long time ago, God is resurrecting right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. If any scriptures come to mind, please quote them to them. Any scri- yeah, you know, like some of the Easter passages. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> this is such a train wreck. Scriptures of promise. Yeah, don't stop. Take just another moment. Just another moment. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one that resurrects dead things, lost things you restore. Yeah, you know, dead things and lost things, you know, like dreams. And and you restore missing knives and computer data. And Yeah, that's right. Just declared, I want my knife back. You need to declare it. I want my knife back. Oh, and and uh, one lamb per household. Yeah, that, I don't know what that's going to declare. I want my knife back. Yes. <laughs> I want my dreams back. That's right. Declare it out loud. Yeah. I, I want everyone in the room to declare it with some passion. I want my knife back. That's right. We want our knife back. We want the dreams restored. In the name of the Lord. That's right. Amen. Amen. All right, you did great. Now go ahead and sit down. We're going to do one more thing, and I'll try to make this quick. One more thing, quick. And you're just going to have to call this an Easter something. All right. Here's the last thing I felt we were to do to do today. Is I wanted to honor those who had been here 10 years or longer. And I want to tell you we're going to honor those who've been in, in deception for more than 10 years, uh, but we're not going to honor the crucified and risen Lord on Easter. Boy, that's telling, isn't it? There are certain things that are really easy today. They're, they're just, they're easy. I could go through a long list of things that have just become easy, but it's because there was a group of people here before you got here that made hardship decisions when it was hard. And they paid a price to create a momentum that now everybody else feeds from. And a, a very a good friend, an international leader that just just walked in, walked into the room just um, a few weeks ago. Uh, school of ministry was going on. He's not given to great emotion. He literally just it caught him off guard. He walked into the room and just walked right into the presence. He just began to weep and weep and weep because of being overwhelmed. Something the Lord has honored the faithfulness of everybody in the house. And I'm so thankful. But I, I, this is kind of what I was feeling last night. I wish I could just sit down with everybody and not have to, not have to do anything for them. Not, not that I don't like serving, but not do anything for them because what I'd like to do today is just sit down and talk to people and and just find out how things are going and celebrate the fact that there's so many faithful people around here that do so much. I, I hear the stories of what you guys do. Oh, I hear the stories of people who that nobody in the room would know them, but they had their breakthrough in some area of business, made tons of money, sold everything, and moved here.
just to sit for a year. People, doctors who leave their practice, engineers, lawyers, all these people, they changed everything just to come. Why? Because there was a group of people here 10 years ago that said yes to God, that they'd pay any price. And they, by their choices, helped to create a culture and a momentum. And everybody else gets to feed from that. Now, your faithfulness today creates momentum for others that will join us in five years. Is this making sense to you? The faithfulness of one... No, it's not making any sense at all. I mean, the Holy Spirit is the one who testifies about Christ and convicts the world of sin and unbelief. Read what Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit, what he would do when he sent the Holy Spirit. It's found in John chapter 16, that the Holy Spirit would convict the world of sin and unbelief. And, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. And, um, I mean, I, I, I want to know what you, what, what have you done with the, uh, with the risen Lord? I mean, where is he? Why aren't you talking about him? Why aren't you pointing us to him? How you said it, Sherry, who held her end of the rope. I love that. She held her end of the rope. When everybody else was letting go, she held her end of the rope. And now we got a river that's flowing uphill. That's the coolest thing in the world right there. A river that's flowing uphill, bringing other family members in, into the kingdom. It's- so here we go again. Uh, the catchphrases for the sermon are, river flowing uphill, one lamb per household, and I want my knife back. <laughs> And this is what passes as biblical Christianity, and it's far, far, far from it. This is amazing. I want you to take just a moment to honor. I want everyone who's been here 10 years or longer to stand up. Now stay standing. Okay, just. <laughs> we, are, we are. Stay standing. Stay standing. We're especially blessed. My mom is here, who is really. Mom and dad were the ones that really helped to set this course of direction many years ago. And we are riding, we are all living under the shadow of their breakthrough. Not Jesus's breakthrough, you know, from the tomb, um, but uh, their breakthrough, whatever that was. And uh, here's what I want you to do. Extend a hand towards these that are standing. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray. They, I don't know if this will make sense to you. They have made choices for years for the benefit of others. If I could do it in a humorous way, they've lost their parking space countless times. (laughs) Countless times. Times beyond measure. I mention that cutely as a small thing. They have made choices for other people their entire lives. Right now, I want you to pray. Lord, answer the secret desires of their heart in this season. Pray that for them right now. If you could reach them, lay a hand on them. But I want you to pray. Lord God, release 
answers the secret desires of the heart. Let this be the season where the things that are even unspoken, they're just the quiet dreams, would be released to them. Honor them for their faithfulness. Honor them for their faithfulness. Yeah, uh, the problem is, is um, it's clear from what's being taught here that these folks actually aren't being faithful to Jesus at all, even remotely properly handling his word and properly fearing him, trusting him and repenting of their sins and being forgiven and rightly handling God's word. This is absolute nonsense. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Honor them for their faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for, for people that have been faithful in the long haul. We just give you thanks for them. And we just pray, God, make this the season of the greatest breakthrough of their life. In everywhere they, where they've invested for the sake of the body, I ask that they would receive reward personally. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Amen. Uh, oh, man, is there more to this? Amen. Let's have everybody stand, if you would. I was telling a story earlier. Uh, there's even more? First service that uh, I'll tell you. In this service, I was, I was, I was j- joking, like half-jokingly, talking about how God can win with any hand. I, I guess that's not joking. That's, it's just amazing how he can just win with any hand. He just wins. He just wins. He can win with a pair of twos. He, just, he turns it around. He wins with it. And I got this flashback of my child. Uh, he'd do great at that, you know, big poker tournament every year, yeah. With my sister Jackie. I'm telling a, a story now of my sister Jackie. When, when we were uh, young, we would roller skate, and we would race from the end of the driveway to the garage door. And I'm two years older, and I'm, I, I was faster. And we had raced to the garage door. I remember one day so clearly, racing to the garage door and touch the garage door. I would touch, then she would touch. And I'd say, I win. She'd say, it was a tie. <laughs> we'd, we'd do it again. We'd race again. I'd touch. She would touch. i say, I win. She goes, it was a tie. <laughs> so this one time, I... I'd... Apparently, he's, uh, <clears throat> he has no clue. No, abs- he has absolutely no concept of what Easter is about at all. I finally decided I am going as fast as light, and I went as fast as I could. I got, I touched the door. I turned around and looked at her. Said, "I win." See, she came up, touched the door. She says, I, "It's tie." It's a tie. She beat me just with her attitude. She just, she completely dismantled me by just chai. <laughs> These folks are laughing themselves all the way to hell. Wow. God can take any situation, every situation, and reverse it to his benefit and to your blessings. So I just declare God's word over you that he would look you full in the face, nose to nose, no blinking, and prosper every part of your life, that you would be so rich and full of his goodness and kindness that you leak all over our city, that every, every waitress this afternoon will know you've been with God. 
Yeah, which one? Uh, not the crucified and risen one. Um, every store, every place you go, you just drip Jesus. I just well, you didn't tell us anything about Jesus. How could they drip Jesus? What Jesus do you believe in? Can you give me some details about that Jesus and stop talking about yourself for a minute? Pray that blessing, and that this would be a day of extreme reconciliation. Oh, brother. Ugh. Extreme restoration in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yeah, right at the end there, you know, the name of Jesus gets invoked in this completely Christless, crossless, uh, empty, tombless Easter. Uh, I, I don't even want to call it a sermon. I don't know what that was. I mean, that was it, that's not Christianity. That's a completely different religion. That religion won't save any of those people. In fact, that religion is going to send them all to hell. I mean, that's just flat-out blasphemous idolatry. And uh, uh, and the fact that it masquerades as something co- that, that you're trying to look like or claim to be Christianity— that's the most frightening thing of all. Now, out of any Easter sermon I've ever heard, that one is just the most bizarre. Absolutely the most bizarre. But I wanted to get a sampling from, you know, several different sources for this year's worst Easter sermon of the year contest. And so. Anyway, it's gonna be in your hands now for the voting. And uh, what I'm gonna be doing is um uh later today or early on Saturday I'll be posting a way for you to vote you know to put in your vote for uh, uh who you think uh you know should get the honor of being na- you know named the preacher who gave the worst Easter sermon of 2011 and so the way you'll find it is go to fightingforthefaith.com it will be at the very top of our website and, uh, until really uh, the end of next weekend, you know, we'll, we'll open up the voting, and we'll, uh, and you know, the voting will begin today. It'll go through Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday again, and then on the following week after that, I'll, you know, I'll pull it down. Voting will end, and uh, we will announce our winner, and I will uh, send off my <laughs> annual correspondence to the winner of our. Worst Easter Sermon of the Year contest. Unbelievable. Wow. So um, I want to circle back. Circle back to what I said at the beginning of this week. I read to you a section from uh, Franz Pieper's work, you know, the distinction between heterodox and orthodox churches. And you heard sermons from heterodox churches and from heretical churches. You've heard from churches that still claim that they confess the historic Christian faith, but you can't tell in their preaching because their teaching is heterodox. They they mangle God's Word, say things about the gospel, and apply things in a way that they were never meant to be applied or taught in the Scripture. You also heard from Ian Lawton, a man who flat out in his Easter sermon uh, attacked, maligned, impugned, uh, tore down uh, the biblical gospel, the good news of Christ and him crucified for our sins, that that we are sinners by nature in need of a Savior. You heard him. You heard uh, Bill Johnson, who I have no idea what this man believes. I just absolutely no clue. I mean, tell me what on earth does one lamb per household, uh, what, uh, river flow uphill, and, uh, you know, whatever that other one was. I mean, I... 
Who knows what any of this was? But in his case, he might claim that he believes that Jesus you know, is Christ and that he rose from the grave and stuff like that, but he doesn't preach it. So there's there's several different ways in which you I need you to analyze our contestants this week. The people who claim to be Christians but don't teach it, those who attack it. Um I mean, see the thing is if you really truly truly confess that Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, that he is our virgin born savior, that he is that he's God in human flesh and that he was pierced for our transgressions. Our iniquity was put on him. Um, then, and you know, that he was bruised for our iniquities, that he died and bodily rose again on the third day after he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. If you truly believe that, and you believe that good news, then why wouldn't you preach that on Easter Sunday? You see, there's way, there's all kinds of ways to attack the biblical gospel. One is to do it directly, like Ian Lawton did, and the other way is to do it kind of in a passive-aggressive uh, mode, and that is, is that yeah, 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 I believe that, but never teach it. Yeah, 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 I believe that, but then go a completely different way. You see what I'm saying? So, it's in your hands now as to who you're going to vote for, and I need to remind you, <laughs> we didn't take a break here. Uh, Fighting for the Faith. This is listener-supported radio, and so this discernment outreach, this sound biblical doctrine resource, this resource that 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 challenges you to dig into the scriptures, to find Christ in all of the passages of scripture, that compares what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God, and try to have a little bit of fun along the way, even though the topic itself is a deadly serious topic. Uh, this is this is completely listener-supported. We do not have corporate sponsorships. We don't have big endowments that support us. No, no, we're 100% supported by you, our listeners. And, uh, you know, we are in the month of May right now, and we currently need 350 of you who are listeners to join our crew. If you're not a member of our crew, uh, visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you go to vote, after you're done voting, Click on the on the button on the button that says "Join Our Crew," and when you join our crew, you're signing up to automatically contribute six dollars ninety five cents every month to the ongoing work and mission of Fighting for the Faith. It's not a lot of money, but uh, when we get to our goal of three hundred and fifty new members of our crew, then that'll ensure that in the short term that we're you know that we're on budget, that we're meeting our our monthly expenses. Uh, that we need in order to continue to operate and bring this important radio outreach to you. And, of course, if you would like to make a one-time contribution, select the amount of money that you would like to send as a gift to us. You can do that by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith, and then send that to Post Office Box 508, Fishers, Indiana, zip code 46038. So what do you think? I'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me, my email address, talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can ask to be my friend on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian, or you can follow me on Twitter. My name there, Pirate Christian. Until next week, may God richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ and his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen. Amen.